0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's become a huge debate about a debate. At issue on the one hand is free speech versus refusing to give a platform to a hateful ideology. On Friday, controversial alt-right ideologue and former Trump advisor Steve Bannon is set to square off against David Frum, who is a conservative commentator, editor of The Atlantic and a former George Bush advisor. The platform is the prestigious Monk debate. The pressure to disinvite Bannon has been growing for weeks from community groups, unions, and the NDP. The chair of the event says it is actually a public service because it helps the public better understand society's challenges. The debate question, by the way, is be it resolved. The future of Western politics is populist, not liberal. So, what do you think? Should Steve Bannon speak or should we rescind the invitation? Or it's up to the monk debates, of course. What's your opinion? Is this free speech or is this over the line? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 uh, 740 4740 we are going to have uh, our own Kind of debate, and uh, we're going to start with the nay side. We've got Charlie Angus, NDP MP for Timmins James Bay. Hi there, Charlie.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: You're very welcome. Why should we not allow Steve Bannon to speak?
2: Well, Libby, I was at a memorial event for the people who were murdered uh... tree of life synagogue i was at it on sunday night and it was a beautiful event in ottawa with you know representation of the jewish community christian ministers were there muslim people were there but it was very very emotional because in the jewish community i mean anti acts of anti-semitist violence is always the sign of rising right-wing extremism and a man came up to me an elderly man and said why would canada welcome steve bannon after the killings in Pittsburgh, and I, it really struck me because we see Jewish leaders in Pittsburgh saying they didn't want the president of the United States there uh, because his refusal to disavow white nationalism. Well, Steve Bannon is the architect of this right-wing extremist uh, rise, and I, I think in light of the killings in Pittsburgh, we got to start saying words have impact. And the actions of these provocateurs have been resulting in right-wing violence. So I think it's a fair thing to say at this time, sorry, Steve, go home. Uh,
1: What about the argument that it's free speech? He actually, he doesn't cross the line into hate speech in his public comments. Well, I I think
2: what's been, you know, the Steve Bannon playbook, which is being copied all over, uh, is to use our deep respect for public discourse and public debate and use it as a platform to put into the conversation uh, further and further extremist views. We saw that with, you know, the woman who ran for, uh, you know, claimed she was running to be mayor of Toronto, and she had been on promoting, like, vicious 1930s anti-Semites.
1: Yeah, there's a difference there. There's somebody obscure, and this is a guy who has had huge influence around the world. Don't we want to know what he's up to?
2: Well, I think we can see what he's up to. He's been in Eastern Europe where we see the rise of extreme right-wing groups. We see him in Brazil. Uh, he's, Steve Bannon is not interested in a debate of ideas. Steve Bannon is interested in pushing the yardstick for this so-called nationalism, which is, to me, is deeply rooted in anti-Semitism, deeply rooted in, you know, anti-immigrant, deeply rooted in anti-Muslim actions, and we've seen a rise of violence. And I think it's time to, to just start Call it drawing the connections, you know? We we we've been going on for a long. Oh, it was a lone wolf, it was a guy who was just upset because he couldn't get a date. The people who are doing these killings are being deeply influenced by the by the the conversation that's being created on the extreme right and Steve Bannon is the architect. And I think it's a reasonable thing to say. Steve go back to the United States. We don't
1: watch from Canada. Okay, I'm going to bring in Michael Bryant. He's the uh, executive director and general counsel for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Hello, Michael. Oh, good afternoon. Okay, so uh, you've heard all the arguments against why should we let Steve Bannon speak? Well, I, you know, he, I, he would
3: not have been uh, – I, I don't think asking him was a good idea. I think it was wrongheaded, and I think that it was um, – that it, it, we have enough divisiveness in Canadian politics, and we didn't need such a divisive figure. But having asked him to uh, then turn around and cancel the debate uh, because of the public backlash is an error. Uh, I think it's a mistake because, you know, uh, amongst other things, it offers him by default without having to utter a word, without having to defend his position, without having to face charges that he's a racist on a stage uh, with um, David Frum, um, no dummy, uh, as, as the person uh, who's debating him. Instead of that happening, he gets to become a martyr overnight and then take that message of outrage politics Um uh, to uh, to the next level, which um, uh, which which means that um, this person who uh, becomes a victim uh, because he or uh, he portrays himself as a victim because he gets silenced. That's what happened when the New Yorker canceled his appearance. And one of the differences between um, you know what? What uh, the the New Yorker appearance? Uh, he was supposed to go to a uh, um, a conference, on ideas uh, sponsored by the magazine New Yorker. Um, uh, the difference between this venue and that venue is is this is a debate. Uh, it's not like he's being given an honorary doctorate. Uh, he's uh, being put on the stage, and for everything he says, there'll be an opportunity for counter speech uh, from somebody who um, uh, is um I mean an interesting figure um when it comes to these issues because he is a conservative who nevertheless is a is a uh a virulent opponent of Trump and all that he stands for. Yeah. So I you know I just I it's just uh, really I mean it's a it's an interesting issue. I don't I'm not saying there's only one answer. I'm not but From time immemorial, having the debate and the dialectic has always been better than uh, claiming a monopoly over the truth. And better to have an open debate in a marketplace of ideas, the argument goes, uh, than to close that debate and say that this speech is unworthy. Um, We do draw that line uh, with fighting words. Uh, We do draw that line with uh, words that um, incite violence. And uh, this would be a departure from that. But... Some of this is a generational thing, too, I think, uh, uh, which is a, um, an interesting topic for Zoomer Radio. My experience is, and there are some social I, science to back this up, that I millennials agree with you. Tend, to, uh, tend to be a lot less tolerant of the speech than than boomers. Uh,
1: absolutely. I mean, what about the argument, and I'm going to uh, put this out to Charlie Angus as well, and I'm quoting Michael Moore who is very left-wing, who says, we want to hear him speak. You always want to hear the devil speak. You always want the devil to tell you his plans. I'm not saying he's the devil, but I'm quoting Michael Moore there.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, look, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, uh, um, and I'm I'm here as its executive director, um, I mean, better, I think, take the view that free speech uh, is such that uh, what we say is... um, uh, we, we like to keep our racist where we can see him. Uh, and along those lines, uh, w- this debate will permit uh, the, him, him and his views to go on the operating table uh, rather than him get to march off to martyrdom uh, because the debate gets cancelled.
1: Uh, what about uh, you Charlie? what do you what do you say to that?
4: Well,
2: you know, I think that Steve Bannon isn't coming here to exchange ideas. Steve Bannon is coming to create a circus. I've been speaking with some of the people who are actually going to be working at the show, the heavy police presence, the the barricades that are going to be going up, the possible street battles that will occur. That's Street battles, there
1: will be demonstrations. Don't you think Canadians can uh, protest peacefully?
2: Well, I think so, but I think that Steve Bannon loves a circus. And I think we're giving him that platform. And I think, in light of what happened with the killings in Pittsburgh, uh, it it is a reasonable thing to say. Sorry, Steve, uh, you're not welcome. And I was interested to in talk about an age uh, analysis on this because you know I'm a little younger than a boomer, but I the people that I grew up with came out of the Second World War, and there was such uh, a visceral you know, resistance to anything that moved us towards this kind of neo-Nazi extremism. I see like young people who, who don't, haven't grown up with that, who maybe don't understand or haven't felt it from their parents or their grandparents, just how dangerous this rising right-wing movement that Steve Bannon is one of the key architects to. And I think it's reasonable to start calling that, this is not a debate of ideas. This is about putting into the mainstream further and further positions of, you know, anti-Semitism, anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, and I think in our country, Steve Bannon's not our boy. He's the Americans. He can stay there.
1: Well, he, first of all, he does deny being an anti-Semite, though. That's pretty tenuous, I think. Well,
2: they all do. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, comments, he said he didn't want his kids going to a Jewish school. Breitbart, the kind of stuff that's posted on there. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I get thrown at me on Twitter from, you know, the right-wing nuts that love them, uh, you know, they don't, they're always careful, you know, the kind of dog whistles they play. They're, they're careful, but they're, they're moving that yardstick continually, and I think that you'll see that in the kind of demonstrations, and the anger that'll be created. And I don't really think in light of what's happened in Pittsburgh, it's a healthy conversation. We could have many conversations about politics without having it with Steve Bannon. Um,
1: Michael Bryant, you're head of the Civil Liberties Association. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to know, where is... The line I mean we 've seen and you point out a generational divide lots of examples of people not being allowed to speak that would have certainly been allowed to speak when you and I were in a university or mm-hmm. or whatever, so where is the line? Where do we say this person has to be silenced, and this person let 's hear him out and argue with them
3: well i mean I, I, I guess this is it is. Um, is where is the line and we and I, I wish I could just tell you okay it's right here, but I can't and uh, the um, but you know the 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 legal doctrine would be that the line is where the person is inciting violence um, uh, actually inciting violence with an intent to incite violence in circumstances where violence is um, um, uh, uh quite possible or plausible um, now the argument uh, that um, uh, is made with Bannon is that he, he's like just basically two steps maybe behind that uh that it's an inference but it's not an incitement and um and and i you know i don't have a i don't have a great answer to that other than to say um, it's uh, once we start moving the line beyond incitement of violence to hate, for example, well, then we're going to have to agree on what hate means. And um, if hate means righteous indignation, then there's a lot of hate out there. Um, I think it's certainly relevant as to whether or not hate is directed at a particularly vulnerable population, for example. And so, you know, hate directed at indigenous peoples, hate directed at women, hate directed at minorities. Um, But it's... um, it's easier said than done defining hate and 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 defining incitement to violence, other than the obvious examples of you know yelling fire in a crowded theater. Um, but our organization, on the you know, has the, um, the task of uh, being in the courts fighting for equality, which we do. We're in the province of Quebec fighting against the niqab ban, uh, on the one hand, uh, but you know we also historically have been. Uh, in the courts, like the ACLU, uh, fighting for free speech, as they did in the famous case. The ACLU case where in Skokie, where you had Holocaust survivors in Skokie, Illinois, um, <clears throat> a Nazi, uh, not a not a neo-Nazi, but a Nazi uh, uh, parade wishing to go through the streets, and the ACLU fought for um, and won uh, the ability to stop the government from silencing that debate. This is a little different, our, our, the monk debate, because it's not government. It's a little bit removed. Um, uh, <clears throat> there is an unnamed radio station, not yours, which um, has the broadcasting rights over it, um, but the um, but the protections around free speech... Are the CBC and
1: they may the not.
3: Of ...the monk debate, right, because it's not the government that's deciding it. Um, it's um, It's a charitable organization.
1: And uh, just, um, what do you say, Michael, to uh, the argument, Charlie's argument, that partly in light of recent events, uh, the terrible synagogue massacre, that it should be canceled, does, does, does that have more merit than the other arguments?
5: Well, it would have,
3: uh, I mean, it, it's a horrible tragedy, uh, and, you know, I, I, I can't um, and would never defend uh, anti-Semitism um uh, it, it is a horrible tragedy uh, although um uh, it is relevant that it didn't happen on canadian soil uh we're obviously hearing a lot about it because we're in canada but um if this had happened in winnipeg or toronto or montreal it might be different but in these but, but it didn't so i uh, whether or not you can draw a direct line between uh, that debater and that event um it, it you know if if one could then this debate wouldn't be happening But um, because it's not clear, um, and we are talking about a debate between two former White House officials, um, you know, this isn't somebody who um, is uh, literally on the margins, um, then, you know, uh, we say, you know, don't cancel that debate, have the debate. But I understand the argument on the other side. I, I, I hear what is being said here about normalizing this kind of speech. But the only, the only, the last thing I'll say is that, Shutting down of platforms that um, uh, uh, taking on and uh, and um, trying to really belittle um, the the speaker that you're opposing that didn't work in the last presidential election uh, that didn't work in the Quebec provincial election either um, so since it's not that strategy is not working. Uh, I think, for the left in terms of getting the results that people want. And we'll have to see in the U.S. midterms whether they do. Uh, it might be um, an idea to uh, stay away from the ad hominem attacks and talk more about what uh, you know we stand for. And when I say we, I mean, I'm obviously on the left. I mean, I'm not. Even though our, our organization is nonpartisan, I can't pretend like I didn't have a background um, right. for this. So I... I uh, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm not sure that shutting down the platform, I'm not sure, I don't believe that shutting down the platform and censoring people is actually aiding the left. Um, but, you know, that's obviously uh, in the eye of the beholder.
1: Okay. Michael Bryant, I know you have to go. Charlie Angish, please hang on. And uh, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, thanks for joining us, Michael.
3: Thank you. You keep up the fight, Charlie. You're doing exactly thanks. what you should be doing. Okay. I, I, I Thank you so much for the good good is, talking too, with thanks, you. Thanks for your voice on this.
1: Okay, well, uh, there you go. That's a Canadian disagreement. <laughs> uh, let's go to Mary in Stony Creek. Hi, Mary. Hi. You're on the Hello, air Libby. going... Yes.
4: Uh, nice to t- hear your conversation. I can't add very much to the wonderful guests you've had, but uh, I had a lesson that I had was a very young person. Uh, I was in North Africa and uh, I, uh, with Canada World Youth, and we were involved with a family, and uh, they said the Americans didn't go to the moon. It was just a a plot to suppress poor countries. And uh, there was a young girl who was 16, a Canadian who was there. And I said to her, why don't you tell them they're wrong? It's not true. And she said, if I say they're wrong, they won't change how they think. They'll just stop saying it. And I think that we, if we limit Ben from coming, we're saying, quiet, but it's not going to stop
1: people from thinking. We have to know what they're thinking in order to have a dialogue.
4: So okay. that's all I want to
1: say. Thank okay, you. Okay, thanks. Uh, yes, and uh, Charlie, that, I mean this, this is a powerful guy who's had influence all around the world. I know that um, during the film festival a few months ago, I took the time to go to see a documentary about him, and it was not pleasant to watch, I have to say, but I, I thought, I want to know about this guy. I want to know as much as I can know. Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, I think the issue, and I'm really concerned about the normalizing of extremist rhetoric, as though it's just part of the public conversation. When in the past, uh, this was the stuff that might have been said in a few bar rooms, but now it's uh, it's it's has moved much more into the mainstream, very much because of the kind of shepherding that Bannon has done. Uh, and I, I, what really struck me is to see leaders in the Jewish community in Pittsburgh telling the president they didn't want him there. That that's unprecedented. The fact that the president of the United States has been directly linked uh, to such a horrific killing by. A community that was affected. I was really struck by that. We are we are moving in a very we're moving well, in very dark waters that's, right
1: that, now. That that was not everybody in the community. Not
2: everybody, but that any leader yeah. in a community would say that to the president of the United States that would be unimaginable. That'd be unimaginable five years, ten years ago. But we're in different, very, very different uh, grounds now. So you know, my position is that you know it's not my role as a member of parliament, I can't stop Steve Bannon from coming, but I think the conversation of calling him out for the kind of, the architecture that's being put in place of rising extremist rhetoric that is having an influence that is resulting in violence and targeting in minority groups has to be put on the public record. And if it's being put on the record with Donald Trump in Pittsburgh. We can certainly do it with his, uh, you know, sheep provocateur here in Canada, and I think that that's a good conversation for Canadians
1: to have. Okay, I'm, I'm going to bring in Michael Tobin. Another thing that strikes me is that I think that there are a lot of people who might listen to him, and because he uses these so-called dog whistles as opposed to coming right out and saying it, I think there are probably people out there who think that what he's saying is maybe not so bad. Michael?
5: Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's always that risk. But at the same time, I've talked about this issue now a few times over the past week. Um, I I think if we assume that people are going to, with beliefs that they already hold on whatever the issue may be, in this case, the debate between Steve Bannon and David Frum is populism, so some people will be going in in there with an understanding of populism, and some people may know nothing. I don't think there's going to be a sudden revelation when they hear Steve Bannon talk that, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been meeting to hear for over 20 years. All my views are incorrect. Everything I thought about this issue is wrong. Steve Bannon is my God. This is not obviously going to happen. I'm being a little dramatic, of course, but it's not going to happen that way because I think people will just go to this debate between Mr. Bannon and Mr. Frum. They'll listen to the information. They'll listen to their, this is, what, the points that they choose to debate. They'll synthesize this information, and more than likely, Libby, they will just come out with the same beliefs they held when they entered the hall as when they exit the hall. And I think we have to start realizing that if we truly believe in free speech in this country, we have to allow different points of view to elaborate on particular positions. Criticize Mr. Bannon to high heaven, and Lord knows many conservatives, including myself, have. But don't try to muggle him, don't try to reduce his position. Let him talk, ask questions of him, and let him slip on his own sword, so to speak.
1: Okay, uh, hang on there. Let's take a call from Stephen in Parkdale. Hi, Stephen.
6: Hi, how are you doing today?
1: Fine, how are you?
6: All right, just one quick question. Uh, You're going to have a debate. Not the guy just speaking. You're going to have a debate. Why would you have a guy like David Frum representing the opposite side rather than somebody that's a bit more on the liberal or, uh, I don't know, left side than that it doesn't, doesn't because he
1: sense. he he's conservative but uh he, he hates what bannon stands for he hates trump and uh i would say uh, to david from that uh, he's probably he's he's uh he's maybe conservative by our standards by american standards i don't know anymore
5: <laughs> no, no he, he was
6: uh george bush speechwriter
1: yeah and he uh, got he got uh, turfed from that job. He's a very sorry. smart guy. Uh, he is. Thanks, so. Stephen. That's uh, that's an, another interesting point. Is that if you go on Twitter or whatever, a lot of people are looking to David. From he's our guy. He's going to wipe the floor with Steve Bannon, which I doubt very much. <laughs> Steve Bannon's pretty smart. He uh, is. But Michael Tobe, let me yep. ask you this: Where's the line? Because there's a line, obviously, I mean, on the one hand, uh, people are being accused of being snowflakes. There are all kinds of speeches that are stopped on campus. Yes. Yeah. On the other hand, there is hate speech. So where's the line between uh, unsavory views and hate speech that we should shut down? It depends
5: on your definition of hate speech, to be quite honest, Libby. And since I'm closer to a free speech absolutist, obviously the line in the sand that I draw is really only a line to things such as the, uh, the impact or the impulse or the commentary related to something like violence or physical violence. When, when it starts to move away from speech and it actually goes to action or physical action, that to me is the end of the discussion about free speech and it has moved into a completely different realm that needs to be tackled and brought down as quickly as possible. But for me, openly for freedom of speech, if you truly believe it, it has to be about things that you find both acceptable and unacceptable to your ears. If you want to basically create these little narrow windows or these little niche groups where it becomes an echo chamber and nothing more, that's very easy to create. And in fact, it's actually very simple to create in today's society. What is difficult, I believe, is to actually have a a proper amount of intellectual discourse where you have differing points of view, different sides to a debate, and you may not necessarily reach a mutual conclusion or a unilateral conclusion, but you will at least be exposed to things that are obviously of interest to one side or the other. Well, Charlie, just a sec. Not agree with. Just just a sec.
1: Just just a sec. I, I think Charlie argued. Uh, And Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, this, what he says, actually does incite violence. That's uh, the point that was made about a lot of the leaders in Pittsburgh not wanting the president. Right, Charlie?
2: Well, this is, I mean, this is the issue we're seeing, is a rise of right-wing extremist violence. And, you know, for a long time it's been, oh, it was a lone wolf, or, you know, the guy was lonely and he was screwed up and he he, was a gun nut. But you keep going back to the influence and the normalizing of language of hate. And I think that we've seen, uh, being that we're actually seeing demonstrably the effect in society, uh, I think Steve Bannon has to take some responsibility for it. And as for the argument that, well, nobody's going to change their mind, I don't think anybody going to hear David Trump and Steve Bannon are the issue uh, at that debate, although it could be some. It's the platform it's the i think the steve circus is in town it's going to get the twitter addy up and i've seen you know in public discourse in my political life uh, a real rise of much more hate response um, almost like a gut instinct thing that i've never seen before and i think it's you know we can start to call it out so and in light of pittsburgh hey steve you know there's a lot of platforms you've got. You're a very powerful man. You travel around the world. You're down in Brazil right now uh, with the new president who says he's going to go after his political enemies. I've seen what kind of conversation is that that we're, we're instilling here in, the, in, in Canada in light of what happened in Pittsburgh.
1: Okay, Uh, a lot of people want to weigh in on this, and we want to hear them, but we have to take a quick break first. So let's do that, and we will be back with more with uh, your calls and comments, and with Charlie Angus and Michael Tobe.
0: Back right away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: We are talking about whether the big monk debate between Steve Bannon and David Frum should be cancelled or should be allowed to go ahead, mounting calls for its cancellation. It's an issue of free speech, uh, an issue of where do you draw the line with hate speech. Uh, Let's go to Robert in East York. Hi, Robert.
6: Hi, Louise. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I thought that I read... Um, in the New York Times, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that Steve Bannon had actually been convicted in U.S. federal court, uh, found guilty of uh, campaign irregularity, uh, tax evasion, uh, uh, surrounding the, uh, his uh, role as a campaign manager for Trump during the 1916 campaign.
1: The 2016, so, you I-
6: mean? I'm, I'm a great believer in freedom of speech. But I think the person should be labeled. I think if if that's the case, I think they should say, okay, he was a campaign manager, but he was also convicted of this. So, because it deals with the issue of his credibility.
3: And so I think it's relevant. For this
1: Trump campaign? Because it would have been too early. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, and prison term for... Oh He hasn't been
5: convicted of anything. Yeah. Uh, he is. He has been brought in front of the Mueller com- Commission to discuss certain issues. But uh, the New York Times says he's being investigated. He hasn't been found guilty of anything, though.
6: Oh, oh I thought okay. he has been found guilty in
5: federal court. So he has. To- oh no! If he had, yeah. uh, quite frankly, this sort of debate that the Monk debate is holding, they would have discontinued it right away. Yeah. Well, I was yeah, just wondering
6: think- that. So uh, yes, yeah, my misunderstanding. But uh, I think that the fact that maybe he's been uh, before this commission is has some relevance. So I don't want to shut him down, but I think that the public should know uh, his background.
1: Oh, I think the you public, or certainly the public, learning. going to that debate, does know his background. Robert, thanks for that, and Michael, thanks, welcome. thanks for clarifying that. Oh, no
5: worries at all. Okay, I'm here to help.
1: <laughs> Let's go to Alex okay. and thanks. Aaron. Hello. Hi, Libby. How are
4: you? Fine. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks. So I've been listening to your uh, to your callers and your panel there, and I just have one question. So I think they're correct that Bannon and Trump do incite violence. So you're really stuck between do we give him the opportunity because we value free speech, or do we put him down because of, not put him down, but you know what I mean, not let him speak because of what he does incite. At the end of the day, I confess I don't know what this debate is. I've never heard of it before. But if we can't get enough people in our own country to come for our um, elections and stuff, why do we think that this is going to be such a big deal?
1: Okay, I'm going to answer that with two things, and I think you're right. Uh, a great thing uh, that I saw on Twitter is that uh, Bannon showed up for some event in T- Topeka, Kansas, and 17 people showed up, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. However, the Monk debates here in Toronto, it's, and people criticize it as kind of an elite thing, they're held at Roy Thompson Hall, they're sold out. I I can't even find a spot there as media to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Roy Thompson Hall, I forget how many how many people it seats, and uh, it's usually broadcast, and it's broadcast because people l- listen to these debates. It's a very prestigious forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Topeka, no one cared. So
4: I guess my point is, so I'm an average person. I'm not media. I'm not extremely wealthy, and I've never heard of this before. I do pay attention to the news and things like that. But do we really think that, Anyone who has heard of the name of Bannon and Trump and what they stand for, which I am aware of, are really going to care to listen to him again speak? Will it change their minds? That's sort of where I'm sitting at.
1: Like, I could listen to him speak and just know he's an idiot. Okay. Thanks Thanks for that, Alex. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. We are starting to run out of time. Now, callers, hang on. I'm gonna get some uh, concluding thoughts from our guests and then get back to you. Uh, Charlie Angus, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Well, actually, I thought what your last caller said was really interesting because, you know, if he goes to Topeka, Kansas and 17 people show up, you know, well, big deal, that's actually maybe a relief. I think it's that the monk debate gives a real, in Canada, it's a form of really strong legitimacy for the discussion of ideas. That's part of my concern. About Bannon is that he, it's the manipulation and exploitation of these uh, forms that we have for uh, the exchange of ideas, for the development of democratic discourse to put in. Uh, to insinuate this kind of extremist rhetoric. So it's it's moving yardsticks in our society very, very far to the right. So it's is a debate between someone on who I would say is very right-wing with an extreme right-wing uh, position, and the monk debate gives it a real legitimacy. And in light of Pittsburgh, I think it's fair to say, you know, Steve, you can go anywhere in the United States. You can do anything you want at this time. Uh, I would ask the Monk debate to reconsider. And I don't have any power as a politician, but I think it's a legitimate conversation that we need to have about how do we start to address uh, these provocateurs of very, very extremist positions that are inciting and in- inspiring others to carry out. Is there a direct link? No. But if they're making a link with the President of the United States in Pittsburgh, to me, that's a real sign that... Uh, The yardsticks have already been moved in a very dangerous
5: direction.
1: Okay. And, Michael Tob, what would you like to leave us with?
5: Well, I mean, I think that the the difference between Charlie and I is that I, I sort of look at it as I appreciate more open debate. Muzzling of debate or muzzling of voices, to me, in a liberal democratic society, is the worst possible thing that you could actually potentially have not because I've always advocated for free speech, I just think it's actually part of the cherished principles that we should have in a country like Canada. We should be open to different ideas. It doesn't mean we're going to be necessarily motivated. It doesn't mean that we're going to act upon them. We should be exposed to them, because the more ideas and the more concepts we have, and the more we allow controversial figures like Steve Bannon to talk, it gives us the ability to ask questions of them, to question their views and their values, and to ensure that we understand what their positions are, and in most cases, because most people, by nature, are good-natured and good-thinking souls, they will realize that some of the things that Steve Bannon stands for, economic nationalism, uh, basically looking at foreign policy in ways that, quite frankly, most conservatives today don't look at, I think they will see that Steve Bannon is an isolated voice and an isolated figure who should remain isolated. And quite frankly, I think that the Monk debates have done the right thing by allowing David Frum and Steve Bannon to debate or discuss the issue of populism. And I fully encourage them to keep it. And I'm sure they will.
1: Okay. Well, so far, they've said they will. Um, Everybody, we are completely out of time. Uh, So thank you very much to our guests, Charlie Angus and Michael Tobe.